Hello everybody and welcome to May of 1992. In the news this month, Johnny Carson's final appearance as the host of The Tonight Show takes place on May 22nd, Oakland outfielder Ricky Henderson steals his 1,000th MLB career base, Frank Stallone beats up Geraldo Rivera in a boxing match on The Howard Stern Show, the number one song of the month is Jump by Criss Cross, and the top three movies of the month are Alien 3, Sister Act, and Lethal Weapon 3. Welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movies podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Kevin. And we are here once again without Eric because he likes to golf, apparently. Uh, he's so busy. I'm so busy. I got, <laughs> I got too much to do. I'm too busy. I don't know how you could possibly be that busy. I mean, he does run a golf course. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Eric, aren't you sad that you're not here now? You're missing out, bro. All right, so this, what month is this? May? May of 1992? May of 1992. All right, so we have 15 titles. Four, nope, that would be 13. I added when I should have subtracted. There's 13 titles this month, and Chris, you started off with Wild Orchid 2. Coming in at number 13 is Wild Orchid 2, Two Shades of Blue. This is a drama earning $573.9,000. That's a weird way to say that. I don't know why I said it like that. So we'll just say $574,000. That's like nobody's <laughs> ever said it like that ever. I know. I realized when I finished. <laughs> Do you know what this is? Do you know this is softcore porn? I figured as much based on the description of the uh, the description of the movie. Also, when I looked at the IMDb of the director, it's nothing but things that would porn. be softcore porn you know mickey rourke was in the first one i did not know that I is he in the second one no he's not into th in the second one and i'll explain why okay so blue is a teenage girl who lives with her jazz playing father ham ham <laughs> yeah that's his oh, name okay ham gets very sick and dies and now blue must support herself somehow l the the headmistress at a brothel talks her into living and working at her establishment okay so basically, but she decides she doesn't want to work in the establishment, and it's about her fighting with, you know, I need to survive. And okay. The only way I know how to survive is to be a prostitute, but I don't want to be a prostitute. <laughs> okay. That's what the movie's about. So this is starring uh, Nina Saimezko, which who is Casey Saimezko's no sister. Yes. Wait, wait, she's come up once before. Uh, she's in a couple of things. So she's in Charlie Bowdry. That's all. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> that's now. her brother. Yes. So she's in Airheads. Uh, not much else, though. That's about it. Okay. She had a little run on the West Wing, but nothing you really care about. Anybody else? Uh, so there's Tom Skerritt, who plays Dallas in. Yeah. No, he's in uh, Alien. Dallas in Alien. And he's also plays Viper in Top Gun. Yeah. He comes up in another movie. Yep. And then we also have uh, Robert Davey, who was. One of the uh, brothers, one of the Fratelli brothers in The Goonies. Nice. Yeah. Outside of that, there's not much to talk about in this movie. Okay. Well, I mean, that was enough. Yeah. Coming in at number 12, Leaving Normal, uh, drama grossing $1.3 million, a waitress with a past that's weighing her down, Darley decides to drive to Alaska to try and come in terms with her unfortunate history. But along the way, Darley meets Marianne. An impulsive young woman leaving an abusive relationship. The two hit the road together and keep driving north, bonding over hardships that they have endured and meeting a number of eccentric characters as they get closer to their destination. So Thelma and Louise. Actually, <laughs> so all right. So on IMDb, this the the only description of this movie. And believe me, I searched IMDb, Wikipedia, and I had to get this off of Rotten Tomatoes, which I hate the Rotten Tomatoes site. Uh -huh. All the descriptions were like three paragraphs long, and I couldn't, like, I tried to self-edit, and the way that it, that it was written only made sense when it was three paragraphs long, and then one of the, like, sub-descriptions was, like, this was Thelma and Louise. <laughs> it's like someone edited that in their own. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I didn't even watch it, and I knew it. Oh, and, good. And so, yeah, this has um, uh, Chris, Christine Lottie, L-A-H-T-I. She was never in anything else notable. And then it has Meg Tilly 
Jennifer Tilly's sister? Yes, it actually <laughs> is Jennifer Tilly's sister. And uh, she wasn't ever in anything really uh, worthwhile either. It has Maury Chaikin in it, who was the uh, no Southerner makes, no self-respecting Southerner makes instant oh, yeah. grits. <laughs> and then it was directed by Edward Zwick. So this guy directed Glory, Legend of the Fall, Courage Under Fire, The Siege, Traffic, uh, the Last Samurai, Blood Diamond, Defiance with uh, Daniel Craig. He's directed like a lot of really good movies. Well, so far, that's a pretty good uh, resume right there. Yeah, and I, I watched this. So I went above and beyond this this month because Eric wasn't here. So I figured I had to step up like the research. That's like Eric's thing. And I watched the trailer for this, and it basically was Thelma and Louise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got that movie figured out. Yep. Coming in at number 11, Water Dance, a drama romance earning $1.7 million. A young man learns how to come to terms with his disability after becoming paralyzed in a hiking accident. So this is directed by Neil uh, Jimenez, who's only significant because he wrote this movie as an ode to his own life because he too was paralyzed during a hiking accident. So it's really just a movie. It's like his life story. Uh, It's starring... Eric Stoltz, sick. Who I thought I would know more things with Eric Stoltz. He was in Pulp like, Fiction, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. He just plays like the college boy, right? I don't know him in Pulp Fiction, so he must be like a minimal role. His name's on the cover, like you know how like they, they do like the names of all the people in the movie. They like put a couple of names on there, mm-hmm. so there's like eight names, and what his name is one of the names, <laughs> just because it's a recognizable name. And I think he was. Remember when they go to that. The, the guys that they, they stole the case or something, and I can't remember. Was they in the apartment? He's one of those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Okay. Uh, Helen Hunt. Of course, we all know who Helen Hunt is. Wesley Snipes, same thing. I'm not going to run through his. We've been through his IMDb a hundred times. Uh, William Allen Young, who was in District 9. He has a lot of TV. Like you, If you saw his face, you'd recognize him. For, he does a lot of small roles on TV shows. Coming in at number 10, Poison Ivy, a thriller suspense Grossing $1.8 million. If you're an 80s baby, you know the cover of this thing. I've never seen this movie before. I would imagine this is another softcore porn-esque movie. However, due to the cast, I doubt that it's that intense on the uh, nudity. Uh, So to the point, a seductive teen befriends an introverted high school student and schemes her way into the lives of her wealthy family. Stars Drew Barrymore. Wow. Sarah Gilbert, who was the daughter on Roseanne, you remember like the dark yeah, hair. She's also middle... Big, Big Bang Theory too. I don't watch that show, but okay. And Tom Skerritt, there he goes again, who's Dallas and Alien and Viper and Top Gun. And guess who has a small role in this movie? My boy, the one and only Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. Which might mean at some point in time when I finish this man's filmography that I have to go back and watch this movie. His filmography is not as deep as you think it is either. It's okay. I strenuously object. I'll do it right now. He's under 100 films, isn't he? Oh, the quantity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the amount for sure. That's the, what, no, no, that's what I mean. quality. No, I would never disrespect Leo. Okay. Come on now. Okay, all right, then fine. We're on the same page. I was ready to get into a big, long argument. All right, moving on. No, because he's the type of guy that just takes on the roles he wants, which yes. is why he has such a good resume. Yes. All right, coming in at number nine, Crisscross. Earning $2.7 million, a 12-year-old boy comes of age in 1969 Key West against the backdrop of the Apollo moon landing when he begins to sell cocaine so his mom can stop stripping. (laughs) Whoa, that that took like a real wild turn. So I found much better descriptions than that, but that one was the winner. Okay, that was like... That was like a wholesome coming of age movie and then he's selling coke so his mom can stop stripping. Yeah, so... (laughs) The way they describe it elsewhere, it's it's a much more eased into the fact that he's doing this. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I like the I you, like the quick laugh. You like you like yeah the abrupt turn. <laughs> so this is directed by Chris Mangus, I guess is his name. He has six directorial credits, but you don't care. He has sixty-seven cinematographer credits, though. I always find it odd, like when you see these guys try to take that leap. Like I feel like from cinematographer to director are two vastly different things. Yeah, but, you know, somebody's got to be able to, like, come up, you know what I mean, and, and make it work. You're right. I just, I feel like 
actors or failed actors become better directors. Like they know, they they know the ins and outs of how to. Okay, I know what you're saying, but I'm just saying counterpoint, right? How do we know where some of these guys came from? The only reason why you know this guy was a cinematographer is because he had a shit resume as a director. So you wanted to look up how he got to direct this movie. True. Mm, that's yeah, you're right. You're right. Because if you're going into movies, like. <clears throat> like if you look up like James Cameron, who knows where James Cameron came from? Like well, who knows what he did before he started directing amazing movies? And I'm thinking about it, if you want to be a director and you go to school for directing, I'm sure you have to learn about all the other things. And it's like you might find your niches and maybe you're not a director maybe you're not good enough so you become a cinematographer but you still want to be a director so yeah you you've convinced me something all right so this is starring goldie hawn uh of course nice. she's from overboard bird on a wire bird on a wire and P- private benjamin which i feel like i've seen that movie which is why i included it because she was like in the army or something yeah yeah that, that was i think that was uh late 80s wasn't it i yeah. don't think we get to do that yeah 1980 that movie came out wow i was way off way off <laughs> okay samsonite uh this is also starring james gammon who was lou brown in major league he was the manager nice i found one other fact but it's really not that interesting so let's just move on okay <laughs> Coming in at number eight, K2, grossing $3 million. This is a drama action. I was always under the impression that this was an Ethan Hawke movie, and Ethan Hawke is nowhere near this movie. So, <laughs> Well, maybe he did something else with the K in the title. He was in K9, and he was a cop who had a dog. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. This is about a U.S. climbing team funded by millionaire Claiborne. They're determined to conquer K2. This stars, and I can't pronounce this man's name, properly or rather i don't know what the proper pronunciation is is it michael behind or michael bean or michael bain the guy from terminator i don't know okay well michael <laughs> behind he's uh he's in the terminator he's in aliens uh aliens for clarification as hicks he's in the abyss he's johnny ringo in tombstone he's in the rock he's in the mandalorian he's in the walking dead and it also stars this guy matt craven and I looked up his IMDb, and he has like a tonable, uh, excuse me, a ton of notable movies like Crimson Tide, X Men First Class, A Few Good Men, Jacob's Ladder, and still I have no idea who this man is. So I'm assuming that he had minuscule roles in like a lot of really good movies. Uh, yeah, I know we we get a lot of these actors that like have these extensive resumes, and I always and we've talked about this before. The more credits a person has, the less you, likely likely you are to know who they are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Coming in at number seven, Split Second, an action movie earning $5.5 million. In a flooded future London, Detective Harley Stone hunts a serial killer who murdered his partner and has haunted him ever since. He soon discovers what he is hunting might not be human at all. Nice. Yeah, it sounds nice, and then it just fades out there because directed by Tom Malum, who directed nothing else, starring a whole bunch of people who did. Nothing else except for Kim Cattrall. I think that's how you say her name. Yes, right? yes. And what is she known for? Being in Sex and the City, and I don't care about Mannequin, Eighties. Okay, see, I'm not so big on the Eighties movies. I don't keep up that much with them. Yeah, because you were born in '85. Yeah. So the decade was pretty much over by the time you're able to remember things. It was lost to me, which is sad because it was a fantastic decade. But this <laughs> is a '90s movie podcast. That's so. right. All right. And that's it. I have nothing else to say because there's nothing interesting about this movie that I can find. All right. You want to hear about a dog shit movie? Well, I just told you about one. So let's hear. You can have your turn now, too. I want to top it with this one. Go for it. Coming in at number six, Folks, F-O-L-K-S. I feel like I don't say that properly. Uh, This is a comedy, if you could call it that, grossing almost $6 million. So a slightly self-absorbed yuppie. Wow. That's a weird description of a person's personality self-absorbed slightly Slightly. self-absorbed but anyhow isn't everyone slightly self-absorbed i would imagine so (laughs) a slightly self-absorbed yuppie takes in his parents including his senile father after their home burns down and that's also not how you read that with that cadence but you get the point (laughs) his personal and professional life fall apart soon after so i said i went above and beyond and i was watching these trailers and i couldn't even get through this trailer that good, huh? It, it stars Don Amici, which Don Amici's been acting, well, not Ben, 
But he acted from 1935 to 1994. Was his that's like 1935? Uh, 35. 69 years of acting. If you go on IMDb and look at his face, he was once upon a time a handsome man. He does look pretty handsome. Not to bring him up. It also <laughs> stars. Tom Selleck. Oh, now we know why you hate this movie. Now we know why this movie sucks. Tom Selleck from such no- renowned films as Quigley Down Under and, and Three Men and a Baby. And Three Men and a Little Lady. You know, all the movies that we love so much. <laughs> Anyhow, it was directed by a gentleman, gentleman by the name of Ted Kotcheff. Kotcheff? Kotcheff. There you go. Somebody can pronounce things. Uh, he did Weekend at Bernie's and uh, Rambo First Blood. So I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. First Blood's amazing. That's it. All right. Coming in at number five, Encino Man, a comedy earning $40 million. Now, if you don't know the description of Encino Man, I suggest you're not a 90s movie fan. Eric's so upset that he's not here right now. But remember, we did try to watch this at Eric's not that long ago. Or was it at his 40, 40th birthday party? Yeah, we weren't into it. We couldn't make it five well, minutes. It's not a... It's not a like it's not a hangout and put like background noise movie because when was the last time you saw Encino Man? Well, because it's it's like a teenagers movie, like is a nineties teenagers movie. Like it's not relevant. Is this a is this the Wheeze the Juice movie? I believe he does Wheeze the Juice in this movie. <laughs> All right, go on with the description. When they find a frozen caveman in their backyard, two high school outcasts thaw him and introduce him to modern life, while he in turn gets them to actually enjoy life. Nice stars. So, all right. I was going to take all of your thunder because I know the people in this movie, but I I stopped myself. So, this is directed by Les Mayfield, who directed Flubber and Blue Streak. Those are his two best movies. Okay. You know, I like Blue Streak. I've never seen the Robin Williams Flubber. No, I I don't think I have either. I think I've seen, I've showed it as a movie, as a teacher, like at the end of the year. And not paid attention. Yeah, I think that's about it. All right. (laughs) Uh, Starring some of our favorites, Sean Astin. Yes. I will not go through his IMDb. Brendan Fraser. Yes. Who is finally making his comeback. And I'm I, so excited. I think I seen something about a Looney Tunes movie or something was the reason why like he bankrupted a, a, bo- a, a, a um, production company and that's why he was blackballed for a while. I think it has more to do with like the Me Too movement and him calling out Hollywood for some of their deeper, Wokeness. darker secrets. Oh, and I think that's more of it. Okay. I right. think. I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm well, really excited wrong, he's coming so. back. Yes. Uh, he He's also ballooned to some. No, that was just, if you go summer. look at him, he's not that big anymore. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. Because he was a handsome man. Mm-hmm. Also starring Paulie Shore. Wheeze in the Juice. He's Wheeze in the Juice. Buddy. <laughs> uh, Megan Ward, who was in Joe's Apartment and this movie, Trancers 2, which I looked into it just because I saw it. It looks like the most Z-rate movie I've ever seen in my life. Like, like a like a stoner D-rated movie. But like it's definitely based off the same line as Tremors, but unsuccessfully. Nice. Well, how I guess Tremors was only successful afterwards. So. Yeah. Um am I derailing your thought? No. So we also have Robin Tooney in this movie. She was in The Craft and Empire Records. Also, we have and I'm definitely going to mispronounce this, so I apologize. Kei Hui Kwan. Okay. Do you, do you know who Kei Hui Kwan is? No. He is Data in the Goonies. Nice. Now, so did the, you IMDb him? I did. And did he, he has do no anything? other movies? It was, it was Goonies in this. That's a bummer. Yeah, but here's the interesting no, thing. No, that's not true. It wasn't Goonies in this. It was Goonies this and Temple of Doom. It was Goonies this and Temple of Doom. Uh, he 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 has some side acting too. Like he he plays small roles in a couple of things. He's barely in anything. He only has like fifteen credits. So this is an interesting fact because him and Sean Astin have a small role, have a small scene together. It is the only time that any two cast members from the Goonies ever appear in film or television on screen at the same time. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. A lot of them didn't go on to do anything. Well, I yeah, shouldn't say a lot of them. You have Corey Feldman in this movie. So I'm actually surprised that Sean Astin and Corey Feldman never did another project together. Well, the Corys were a problem for quite some time. Yeah, but but in the late in the you 80s got, through the early 90s, though, Corey Feldman was all over the place, and so was Sean Astin. And you got uh, Josh Groban, right? Josh 
Josh Brolin. Brolin. Josh Groban. Isn't he a singer, Groban? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know, I had the Josh right. Yeah, you do have Josh Brolin. Right. So Josh and Brolin. I had the and Josh, but Josh Brolin was like older than Sean Astin, right? So I could see why they but they I could see why they would never like cross paths like in the same type of movie. But him and Corey Feldman are the same age and they're both acting steadily from eighty five to like ninety three. So they never did anything together? All right, coming in at number four, Far and Away, grossing $59 million. This is a drama, maybe a love story. So I, I would imagine anybody who knows 90 mo- 90s movies knows this movie. This is the Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, Irish movie. So the, the very simple description that IMDb has says a young Irish couple flees to the States, but subsequently struggle to obtain land and prosper freely. Um I did watch a trailer for this. I've seen this movie, but not for quite some time. My wife is from Dublin, Ireland, and moved here when she was like 19 years old-ish. And she is thoroughly offended by the poor portrayal of the Irish culture, number one. But more importantly, the shit Irish accents that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman put on during this movie. Is Nicole Kidman... She's... Australian? Where's she from? Yeah, she is Australian. Okay. Good job, because I was you were if you had said is she Irish, I probably would agree would have had would have agreed with you. But since <laughs> you realize that she's from Australia, you are right in saying that. Yeah, no. So you got that's a it's good casting. It's gonna. Yeah, well, this is after we did Days of Thunder, where they met and fall yeah. in love. I guess. But you know what, Tom Cruise never has done is a good accent. Yeah, well, when does he ever do that, an? That's accent, my point, really? right? So if you're, I don't know, if you're casting, I guess this is no, this is he's at the height of his career. Yeah, he's he's. I guess that's why you want the the big leading man in your movie. Yeah. So and, and you're Ron Howard, you get the big leading man. Well, thanks for stealing that. This is directed by Ron Howard. So we've done this before, but I'm just gonna hit a a, a couple. Is Ron Howard's directing career is really, I, I think, Stellar. like underappreciated. He did Cocoon. Uh, which he was nominated for uh, Best Director. Uh, didn't win, though. He did Willow, Parenthood, Backdraft, this piece of trash far and away. Apollo 13, Ransom, Beautiful Mind. No, that's the one he was... Maybe he won Best Director and Best Picture, I believe, for Beautiful Mind. Uh, the Cinderella Man, which I love that movie. Love and I could go on and on. But, da Vinci you know, Code, I love. Yeah, so he's done a lot of movies that are really, like... He did Solo, a Star Wars movie. I mean, Sorry. Apollo 13 is one of my all-time favorite movies. I mean, it's on my like top, like I don't know, 50 list. I yeah, guess, I love Apollo 13. Fantastic. I can't, actually can't wait till we get to Apollo 13. I really enjoy that movie yeah. every time I watch it. And then that's it. All right. Very good. So that's that's our that leads us into our top three movies of the month. Thank goodness. Yeah, here we are. All right. We're into it then. Coming in at number three, Alien 3. Grossing $158 million. Excuse me, it's Alien Cubed. Okay, I don't know if that's right. It is right. Here, in a world where the sun burns cold. And the wind blows colder. A visitor has come. But not by herself. It started. Come on! The suspense is back. And we have no weapons of any kind. The fear is back. Don't look back, dude! Run as fast as you can! And most of all, the bitch is back. Alien 3. Let's get the necessary stuff out of the way first because then I could get into a conversation about my adoration for the franchise that does not include this movie. So, Ripley crash lands on Fiorina 161. She lands on a prison full of men. Double Y chromosome men, apparently. I don't know know what that that means, means, but that's what they are. So uh, then, you know, they realized that she brought the alien with her again. Stars Sigourney Weaver, obviously playing Ripley. Uh, Charles Dutton, who I do enjoy. Uh, he plays like the head 
of he was less than stellar in this movie. The though. Prisoners. He plays Leonard Dillon. Uh, Charles Dance. Who's Charles Dance, Chris? He's Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, when I saw him on screen, I was like, "Is it? it yeah, because he was like he's he was so young. young, young and kind of handsome." Yeah. And then uh, it, this, there's a bunch of you know half I know them. Lance Herricks, Henriksen shows up as Bishop, sort of. Um, it, you know, there's people that you may recognize Vason, and that's that's it. That's this about is, it. This is directed by David Fincher, who, after reading his IMDb, I've decided he might be my favorite director. This man has directed, but this was his first. This was his directorial debut. I got a lot of information about what was going on in this movie. Just so you know, if you want me to fill you in a little bit. Yeah, well, this was his his. He's done like nine thousand music videos before he did this movie, but so, then. This was like the first movie that he did. So let's talk about what happened here. So when this movie was first pitched, there was a two other. They went through two other directors before they got to David Fincher. Yeah. So David Fincher was working on the movie, but then they ran out. People didn't want to continue with it. They weren't happy with the script, so they brought in David Fincher. And who the hell is he to say I'm not going to take over the Alien franchise movie? Yeah. He, he had to. Yeah. Um. So apparently, him and 20th Century Fox had a lot a lot of problems they were fighting back and forth arguing about the script there were rewrites in the script that david fincher didn't want they were changing everything yeah they went through like mo they went through multiple scripts multiple screenplays multiple they, ideas right. they were telling him he couldn't do certain things that he wanted to do there wasn't enough money but he was doing them anyway so 20th century fox started to badmouth david fincher in post-production and Sigourney Weaver said, oh, no, no, no. She came to his defense and she said, you know, using her star power that she had. No, David Fincher was fantastic. 20th Century Fox are the ones that messed everything up. He needs to be get some credit because he is one of the next best directors. Yeah. And then I heard that he had to submit his like um, his recordings or whatever they shot, like on a daily basis for review and everything like it was, this is what happens every time when a production company needs a, a needs a paycheck. They just tag on to one of their franchises that made money in the past and let shit out another one of these things. And then they put their hands in the mix when they, I don't understand how they don't have the foresight to see that every time you stick your hands in you know, with the production the and you creative get, side, yeah, of the, it, you it, you're you're not letting the artist make art. Like, how does that not register? And it happens every single time. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, like, when you're watching this movie, you can see glimpses of David Fincher throughout the whole thing. Like, there are parts of the. I, you might call me crazy. I think this is the most enjoyable movie of the month. I, I thought it was better than the other two. Like, that's how crappy of a month this was. Um. I don't think it was a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it was because there are moments where you see great directing and you see good acting. I'm not going to say great acting because there was never great, but you see good acting um, specifically when Sigourney Weaver and the guy who plays Tywin Lannister were on screen together. I thought they yeah. were the best part of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, David Fincher goes on to direct like some of my all time favorite movies. He directed seven Zodiac and fight club. Like, yeah, those are three top 25 movies for me. Yeah, yeah. He obviously went on to become a wonderful director, and I'm not blaming him for anything that transpired. I'm not blaming him for what this movie turned out to be, you know? But I will say that, so I am, this is the only re conversation I care to have about this movie. You know, obviously we'll do our jobs, but I am a huge fan of the first two movies, Alien and Aliens, I've seen so many times. And the so alien Frank likes to say, you know, the neighbor Frank, he likes to call alien the original truckers in space, which is it's not outer space stuff. They're just people doing a job and the job happens to be in outer space. And it's just like they're there, but it's not a big deal to them. But it was cool to see like the nonchalant aspect of that. This is the, that was the first time that was ever done. And the the thing that this one lacks in particular number 1 i feel like is a point why why they're there i feel like they didn't really think it through they just slapped some nonsense together and they ended up with this thing but the cast there's no the the first two had such an alluring captivating cast and this had nothing it had sigourney weaver and the guy who played tyron like lannister Charles dance and that was it like everybody yeah. else sucked awful and like not even like 
like just bad. They were just terrible. I mean, even Charles Dutton, who I've seen across many movies and he's serviceable. I just, I didn't like him either. Yeah. I just think that the, the cinematography, the, the set building in the first one was fantastic. That's everything. The first and the second movie. So Alien and Aliens. The, the sets, the practical effects, the, that was everything in those movies. They made the movie. The opening scene in Alien, when it's so slow and everybody's still in uh, the cryo state and it's going through the ship and just shooting different things and the door opens and the the gust of wind blows the the white jackets like the lab coats as the the door opens into the room where they're all in the cryo state and hypersleep or whatever like i could and it's so slow and so quiet and i could sit there and i'm captivated every single time i watch it and i've seen it probably a hundred times i will say though that the opening to this movie does an okay job. I, I disagree because it unceremoniously kills that's, off all the people that we watched well, make it through the second one. That's not the part I'm even talking about. Before they start showing all the people being dead. I'm just talking about the glimpses of like the xenomorph going through. The, they, they don't even show it. They just show I found things it catching on fire, things breaking. And I liked how they were just going between that and the credits that were just, and it was just quiet and on the stars. And I kind of liked the way they did that. I then found it start, confusing. I mean, it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to know what's really happening. But that, but I liked it because it was it builds a little suspense, a little angst, and I, I enjoyed that part of it. And then they start killing everybody off, and you're like, wait, what the hell's the point of them having escaped in Aliens if you're just going to kill everyone off and not care about them? Long story short, my opinion is that this movie is not of the same franchise. Like, it's nowhere near one or two, and it, it's a waste of time. It was only made, like you said, it was a money grab. And then I also thought that this was the this is not as bad as the next one with um, Ron Perlman. That one is unwatchable. This uh, one, at least you can watch it and tolerate it. It's not the worst thing you've ever seen, but it's also not good. The next one I remember is Prometheus. Yeah, the, all, all the all the latter ones were bad. I I, I really I was so I looking forward Prometheus. to I was so looking forward to the latter two when they were redo rebooting the series, and I was so disappointed with the the direction that they went. So anyway, that's a conversation for another time. All right, all right. So we did the plot, we did actors, we did director. Uh, let's hit our categories then. Unless you have anything, because we didn't really talk about this movie itself at all. No, but we did. I think we did a good job discussing like where it fits in cinema history, because it does have a place in terms of the emergence of my God, David Fincher. Okay, well, I guess that's good. Yeah, I guess as far as the movie goes. I mean, I don't have any memorable scenes. Like, I, I didn't enjoy the movie. Ripley, she was the best thing in the movie. Aside from, I will say, I did enjoy some of the shots of the xenomorph, the alien. When it was practical effects. Because the, yes. the CGI. The CGI was, CGI was laughable. It was unbelievable how bad it was like it was like a completely different color with a completely different lighting and clearly like a cartoon it was wild it was bad it was a wild choice anyway all right. there was no need for it because i i always argue in alien monster movies whatever the less you show of the monster or alien the the, the more frightening like the, it is. the jaws effect right you don't see it so you know you're more afraid of it but they did that in the first two you hardly ever saw the xenomorph and the second one you saw it a lot more when she fought the queen or whatever but the first one you hardly ever mm-hmm. saw it so for me the only thing that stands out in this movie is when so so all right so I guess we should go from the beginning. Like, no, I don't want to jump do the whole into movie. it. Just do. Yeah. Want- all right. So Sigourney Weaver kind of hits it off with the doctor who was played by uh, Charles Dance. Um, and, you know, they start having this little relationship because neither of them have have, uh, you know, gotten lucky in a while. And they kind of find each other to just, you know, give each other that whole side of things. And they also have this connection, this bond that's growing. And. Less than halfway through the movie, all of a sudden, he's giving her an injection to try and help her get over her cryogenic sickness, I think they call it. Yeah. And he just gets ripped apart by the alien. Yeah. By, by the xenomorph. And that scene... I think they did it for, like, a shock effect. Right. But, like, I liked that scene. I thought the shock effect was great because I did not see him getting killed off that early in the movie. I thought the whole scene where the xenomorph is approaching her and, you know, the iconic shot of her face turned and cowering and the xenomorph right there in her face that was intense because that was a practical effect they were using an actual i guess dummy or whatever i felt 
suspenseful. What's the word? Angst. I felt angst, and that was the best part of the whole movie. Outside of that one scene, this movie's trash. Yeah, well then, you know, also if people don't know this movie, Sigourney Weaver finally is, uh, for lack of a better term, impregnated. Uh, She's carrying the alien in her chest, so they finally got her. Right, that's the reason why that the xenomorph doesn't kill her in that moment. Yeah, because she's also not just carrying any other alien. She's carrying a queen. The queen is the one that lays all the eggs, if you didn't catch that. Oh, I thought, how does she know it's the queen, though? I don't understand any of that. She had, at one point, <laughs> gone back into the pod, the cryopod. Or, or, yeah, and scanned, and her scanned her herself. But even that image they show you, I couldn't see anything. Well, yeah, I, I saw it. It was, like, upside down. But whatever, she knew, because I guess she spent her whole life dealing with these things. I guess the one the one, one line I did like is Sigourney Weaver's like had enough at one point then she's talking to the xenomorph she's like you've been in my life for so long I can't remember anything else <laughs> it was like an intense line it wasn't funny but anyway so here's here's something that I didn't understand so there was a xenomorph on her ship yeah right no there was a face hugger on her ship what the hell is a face hugger? See, I don't know enough about the franchise. That's why I'm confused. So the face hugger is the thing. You ever see the the first I one know with is, yeah. like the spider thing yeah, on yeah. the guy? That's the face hugger. And what that does is that lays the egg in your chest. Oh, so that's how the dog gets the xenomorph. Yeah. That was my question because I didn't understand. I thought, okay, so there's two xenomorphs running around now. No. no. Yeah. So Not cl- yet. Clearly I was wrong. There would have been had she lived. Okay. Got it. Okay, so best scene, my my best scene, it's not a scene in particular, it's what I said before, the shots of the xenomorph, the practical effects, like you said, in this movie were, I thought, done really well. Yeah, I already just gave my best scene, so. Okay, worst scene? Uh, worst scene was the scene where they tried to rape her, but yeah. they didn't succeed. Yeah. And now only because, like, the levity of the situation, I thought, would have been fine, and her being saved by... Charles, uh, Charles Dutton would have been fine. It would have all been okay. I, I understand its place in the movie. But what I don't understand is why they had the guy that was about to rape her put on sunglasses or goggles and then start screaming into the air. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it was just so like it, it was so awkward and uncomfortable and not yeah. in like a, oh, you're supposed to feel uncomfortable way. It's just weird. Just weird. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my worst scene, once again, is not a scene because I, I can't. It's hard to recall a scene from this movie. It's very forgettable, but uh, the recycled material, like I was saying before, and I said I'd get to it, and here we are. It, they in the first one, they had a real reason to find the alien. They had the beacon. the The alien ship crash landed on the planet that they were flying by. They were forced to buy their contracts from Whaling Corp. Forced to go check out the crash landing. Somebody gets infected with the alien. Then the alien comes on the ship. So it was just certain happenstance, which is just by chance that they encountered this alien. Second one, she gets picked up. She's spent 50 something years in space and sleep, gets picked up, goes home. And then she's telling them about what happened. They don't believe her. Then turns out that the planet that they found the alien on originally was now being um, terraformed to host like another community then all of a sudden the community goes black they don't hear from them anymore they want to send in the marines and they want ripley to go in and like more or less like coach the marines on what the thing was another real good reason to be there with the aliens this one this is like again you're flying through space in sleep and you crash land and you just happen to there happens to be another alien on the ship again like this is just all again it's all recycled material and it's just another reason for the 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 production company to put out a movie it's not anybody's vision yeah all right sorry that was like 10 minutes very long-winded but i understand your point 10 minutes of me explaining why this movie has no purpose it has no purpose except for purposes that were already used I, i apologize i digress best role Best role was Sigourney Weaver because there's Same. nothing else. A worst role? Worst role were all the inmates outside of Charles Dutton and Charles Dance. I gave it to the studio because I read the same thing as you and also the CGI. The CGI. Okay. I'm, I'm in for that. Best quotes? I don't have any. I had the, the one I just gave and then the other one was I'm going to butcher it because it's not like none of them are funny or entertaining or even that memorable. But she's go, Ripley's going on a rant about... Um, 
Yo, they didn't care about the crewmates on the first ship. They didn't care about the Marines in the second ship. They're saying to wait for the rescue team. They're going to come and rescue us. She says, why would they care about a couple, a bunch of lifers who found God at the ass end of space? I thought that was like the most memorable line from the movie. You know, I actually had one line and that is a good line. And it is. But the problem is the movie sucks around it. So the line gets lost. Right. The best line that I I heard uh, was when she first starts meeting all the other inmates and she walks up to Charles Dutton and he goes, I'm a murderer and a rapist of women. You don't want anything to do with me. And then she just walks up, cool, cools glass, and she just goes, I must make you uncomfortable then. And just sits down right across from him. <laughs> that was a good line. So it was just a cool, badass moment. Yep. All right. I'm done here. Are we good? Yeah, I'm done. Moving on. Moving on. And then this is your favorite movie of the month. Coming in at number two, Sister Act, earning $231.6 million. Lounge singer Dolores Van Cartier always wanted to be a star performer. Nothing you can say can tear me away from my God. But tonight, she's going to become a star witness. Hey, is there a problem? I've never seen anybody killed before. If you testify, I'm going to put you in the last place on earth that Vince would ever look for you. She's an ideal prospect for rehabilitation. Absolutely not. That is not a person you can hide. That is a conspicuous person designed to stick out. Look at me. I'm a penguin. I'd like to offer a great big hi there and hello to Sister Mary Clarence. This stuff is terrible. It tastes like... There are three vows every nun must accept. The vow of poverty, mm-hmm. the vow of obedience, mm-hmm. and the vow of chastity. I am out of here. Hey, sister, are we expecting any more of your friends? This turns into a nun's bar. I'm out of here. There's got to be something around here that I can do that's not going to chip my nails or annoy anybody. You will join the choir. The choir? We're terrible. This is going to be hell. Tell me about it. We can rock this place. gonna go straight to hell. We could cut a demo. You're a pioneer. She ain't no nun. You have corrupted the entire choir. I was thinking more like Vegas, you know, get some butts in the seats. I'd rather sing than do anything. It's better than ice cream. It's better than springtime. Better than say. No, I've heard. Sister Act. We're always gonna be together. That's what Diana Ross said. So this is a movie. I don't know why people make things like this. It's clearly not made for you. Yeah, I get that. It but wasn't unenjoyable. It wasn't as bad as I had anticipated, but it's also one of those things that are, it's just most of the time I found myself groaning. <laughs> a lot of it doesn't make sense. I don't even care about that. I care about the fact that Whoopi's not funny. No, she's not She's not funny. But she was the worst she was the main character and arguably the worst role uh, in the movie. I mean, I didn't feel like I don't think she's not funny. I just I understand what you're saying. Like, she's not great. I would say she's the worst part of the movie because I don't necessarily agree with that. Who was the worst part of the movie then? If we could jump ahead. The cop. He was awful. The, the guy one who that, puts her into the, the I didn't mind him. He was terrible. I didn't mind him. Off cadence, like like literally just saying his lines. No, nothing behind anything he says. All right. So the plot of this movie is that Whoopi is uh, having an affair with a married man who she wants to. Hold on, he's not just a married man. He's a he's a he's a mob boss. Can we get to that? I was gonna get to that. Anyway, so now that you know that he's a mob boss, she ends up walking in on her his crew murdering a guy. And then she goes to run. So then the the mob boss is played by Harvey Geitel. The woman is play is Whoopi. Harvey Geitel has no remorse and he tells his goons to just go and murder her. She runs away, runs to the cops. Cops put her in witness protection. And where do they put her in witness protection? In a convent. She has to be a nun. I mean, it's a pretty... It's, it's fine. It's a decent that's, concept. That's for, for a 1990s, early 90s comedy, the premise is more than fine. Silly... Doesn't make sense. Would never happen. I honestly don't have much to say about this movie. Or any of these movies. They're, they're, they're all, all forgettable. forgettable. 
Yep, exactly. See, we're on the same page with that. I I didn't hate sitting through this one. I wasn't checking the time for this one like I was. One thing I didn't say about Alien before was after the after they kill off Charles Dancer, like I was done with the movie. Like yeah. I just didn't care anymore. With this movie, I was never done with it. I enjoyed seeing her turn the choir into like these fun loving that people that are having a good sweet. time. That it was, was sweet. Yes, that right. was nice. Okay, all right, uh, so... What, what I didn't like was, like, they were so bad. There was no saving that choir, but then she turns them into, like, world-famous choir. She also turns them into, like, one of the best choirs in the world simply by moving their physical positions. <laughs> yes, that's the only thing she did. Yeah. All right, anyways, this stars Whoopi Goldberg. She's in The Color Purple, Ghost, Soap Dish, The Lion King, a bunch of others. Uh, Maggie Smith, Dame Maggie Smith. We've been through this before. Professor McGonagall. She's also won Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress in two diff- on two different occasions in the early, early to mid-70s. The movies, I have no idea what they are. You could look them up if you'd like. She's also in Hook, Harry Potter. She's in Clash of the Titans. I, I found that The original surprising. or the newer one? No, I guess the, the original. Kathy Nimje, who is the... How do I put this delicately the larger nun the jollier nun yes she's uh in soap dish and she's one of the witches in hocus pocus yeah, she's I, great. I didn't really recognize the face until i read that and then this is directed by emil artelino we've been across this man before he is maybe the bane of my existence <laughs> dirty dancing he did dirty <laughs> dancing three men and a little lady and then this pile of shit sister act he has 15 uh, director's credits overall, and he should be drawn and quartered. Wow. That's, that's harsh. Okay. Yeah, so there's not much to say about this movie. It's exactly what you would think it is. Yeah. You know, like this this woman comes in, and she's from, from Vegas. So well, not Vegas. She's from Reno. So she's more, she's less than godly. What, can I ask you something off topic? Sure. Why doesn't Whoopi have eyebrows? Yeah, I, I wonder this every time I see her on screen. I'm going to Google it right now. <laughs> Now, can we just talk, please? Don't, don't right, break don't this. Don't derail up. the conversation. Yeah. This has already been derailed. It's, just, it's this movie. That's the problem, right? Because like I said, it's not terrible. There's not anything to talk about because all they do is learn how to sing. And all right. All, you want to know what my biggest problem with this movie is? Yeah. Too much whoopee? Too much, too much whoopee. No. The quickness at which you go from these extremely serious situations to I'm running away and they're trying to murder me because they just murdered someone else, but we're going to play that song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and I, I seen Harvey Keitel in the beginning of the movie, and I was begging for him to be a saving grace. He was. He was just as bad as everybody else. Yep, and I love Harvey Keitel. Well,. I like the music parts of the movie. The only thing I need... You know what I needed much more of was Dane Maggie Smith and the guy who played the priest. I needed much more well, of those Maggie, two. Maggie Smith is like... Well, she's an Oscar-winning actress. Yeah. I mean, so is Whoopi, but but maybe undeservedly. Or maybe maybe the problem with Whoopi is like she tried to be a comedian, and maybe she's not really a comedian. Maybe she's a supporting actress in dramatic Well, she roles. was funny in Ghost. But that's the whole point. Like she's not. She's not a lead. Excuse me. She's not a lead. Yeah, that's like a much. Yeah, that that I agree with a right, thousand percent. She 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 provides comedic relief, but not look comedy. at like look at Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is, I mean, one of most people's favorite actors. He's a great, but he's not a lead role. How much Christopher Walken could you take? Not that much. Exactly. That's that's how much Whoopi I could take. Not that much. I think that's a good comparison. All right, anyway, let's hit categories and maybe we'll find something else to talk about. I mean, I don't know what to say about this movie. It's it's a comedy that's not funny. So, <laughs> I don't know. Pick a scene if, if you want to discuss one. I mean, I did laugh when she started talking, talking about a hooker next door named Buckwheat Bertha. No, I didn't laugh. <laughs> one of my first notes is that I'm three jokes in and not a chuckle. It's funny. I have the same notes as that, but... In Lethal Weapon. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's hit some best scenes. So you brought it up before. My, what, I think my best scene is Whoopi's first time teaching a choir. It was wholesome, warm-hearted, made sense, was some smirks in there. It was nice. All right. And I have the same reasoning, but different scene. Okay. So when she sneaks out to go to the bar and the two sisters follow her, and they all wind up having a good time and yeah. dancing. Like I like it was the same thing. It was it was nice. That was a, yeah, I like that too. And then my other one was which brings me to the two people I needed more on screen. So when when uh, Dame Maggie Smith, uh, I don't even know her name in this movie. If we could find that, that would probably be helpful. Mother Superior. 
<laughs> That's simple <laughs> enough. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, when she, when Whoopi's, you know, Whoopi had them sing for the first time in front of the uh, the parish. What do you call that? Congregation. Also, I did appreciate the thorough Catholicism, Catholicism? in this movie. Anyway, um, me being a Catholic myself. I digress. I don't know what you're Maggie trying to say Smith right now. Maggie <laughs> brings Whoopi into her office. To yell at her? After she has the choir singing like, you know, upbeat or whatever, and, and she's yelling at her. And then the priest comes in, and instead of yelling at, you know, Maggie Smith's Anybody. character, he's, like, congratulating her for appointing Whoopi. He's like, saving Whoopi. He, yeah, he's saving Whoopi without, like, bashing maggie smith right. saying what a wonderful choice it was to make her you know the head of the choir yeah. i thought that was nice yeah and that was good though. sorry again long-winded <laughs> i'll try i'll try and shorten it up all right worst scene when she wa- walks in on, on the murder i thought that her act that she was just like oh well this is an unfortunate situation and, like turns around and starts to run like no you just witnessed a murder somebody died I, I take it that this is something that you've never seen before and you're in actual peril and you're just like but kindly, it, you're, you're like, you're slightly put off by the situation. But it's a comedy. So she can't, she has to just go with it. That's the whole point. That's 90s comedies though. Okay. Horrible situations. Somehow we turn into comedy. Well, what about the pointless montage where she did all the chores, but then she learned nothing from them? <laughs> okay. Yours? Uh, my worst scene was when they sing the my god song instead of my guy and i just i couldn't handle almost threw any up. of that he almost threw yeah up. that was bad okay best role uh best role was uh mother superior yeah dame maggie Smith. i thought she was fantastic worst role worst role i said was the cop uh played by the bill nunn he plays uh lieutenant souther yeah I, I didn't mind him my worst role was Whoopi. i wrote everyone was better than her Kaitel was barely serviceable but better Maggie Smith was a blessing. The two friends at the Covenant were good. The detective was all right. That's what I got. The detective was terrible. He I was did, fine. The fact that you say he was anything but awful is a problem. So a couple of notes here. First of all. Do we so, have to? Yeah. Just a couple of things. Okay. Just two things I want to say. All right. Mm-hmm. So all of the women in this movie did their own singing. Except nice. for the one sister that was like supposed to be like the best of all the singers. She was dubbed. Which was I found Whoopi an, dubbed? Whoopi was not dubbed. She was also not very good, though. She wasn't terrible, though. I thought she did an all right job. I, well, you know, I couldn't have done that good, so fine. Okay. And then also, Whoopi Goldberg hired Carrie Fisher to do to rewrite all of her dialogues, which I found just odd. It did her no justice. <laughs> it's not like it is. And then Carrie Fisher warned her to be careful because she said to her, you're getting into a pissing contest with people who actually have dicks. Which I don't know what that means. Who who was she referring to? I guess the studio because she was like fighting them. I don't know. Oh, I get it. <laughs> okay. So that's that. Quotable lines. Both of mine come from Maggie Smith. She goes to Whoopi. People wish to kill you. Anyone who's met you, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. You're right. Everything that was good was from Maggie Smith in this movie. And then she also says to Whoopi at, a, at some other point, she goes, God has brought you here. Take the hint. Yeah. <laughs> I do like, I know you probably didn't find this funny when she's asked to give the, uh, say grace at dinner. I love, I love that it was hysterical. Uh, it was so stupid. Bless us, O Lord, for these thy gift which we're about to receive. And yeah, though I walk through the valley of shadow of no food, I will fear no hunger. We want you to give us this day our daily bread and to the Republic for which it stands. And by the power invested in me, I pronounce us ready to eat. Amen. I thought it was funny. I'm actually now in a bad mood since you read that. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Coming in at number one, grossing $320 million, Lethal Weapon 3. I'm thinking we should cut the blue wire. Hey, wait. What? That's not what I'm thinking. What, do you think maybe the red? No, no. I'm, I'm thinking that it's eight minutes and 42 seconds. We can go upstairs, wait for the bomb squad. Cappuccino. I'm cutting the red wire, okay? Help! Oh. What? A minute ago you said blue. Oh. Nearly a catastrophe, huh? I'm cutting the wire. Snip. See? All done. Rog. Yeah. Grab the cat. 
Weapon three. Hiya, Hubie. Hey, we're looking for a friend of yours named Travis. Hell, I never heard of him. Wrong answer, wrong answer. Wait, right. wait, I'll leave my car here and I'll come with you. With no, you're car. not coming with us. Yes, I am, but I don't take my car then. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I can't believe you did that. I got a spare to trunk. I'll fix you. Tell my partners. I can't believe they did that. Yeah, three main silent. I want you to see something, Rod. She has a gift. Watch this. Hey, you okay, honey? I just ran. Hey, Reese, it's five of them, man. Yeah, I know. My girl, I never made it with another sergeant before. Shut up, Riggs. Hello, car 54, where are you? The only thing they do contribute is mayhem and chaos. Chaos and he's mayhem. You have the right to remain unconscious. Anything you say ain't gonna be much. Back to bed. Back to bed. Bri hated this movie. Alright, so this is like you know what I thought? It's like Wayne's world. If you don't like the people that you're hanging out with, you don't like the movie. Alright, let me just say this. Love Lethal Weapon One. Okay, yeah. Love Lethal Weapon 1. Mm -hmm. I don't remember Lethal Weapon 2, so I won't say anything about it. That's where he, Danny Glover almost gets blown up on the toilet? All right. I really don't remember it at all. Okay. Lethal Weapon 3, I didn't remember it, but then I watched it. And Lethal Weapon 4, I loved. It, Lethal Weapon 4 has more uh, Joe Pesci? More Joe Pesci and Chris Rock. I don't remember Chris Rock. But, but the Joe Pesci... like. Joe Pesci's too much in this. He was too much in this, but he's less less of this, but more of him on screen. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, he's less. less. Then, then Chris Rock was amazing. But this movie, for me... Well, like, it start, this movie starts out at an, ele at an 11. Yeah. And like, it's, it's off the bat. Off the bat, they're, they're thwarting murders and robberies. And like you're like five minutes into the movie and you're like, what is going on? Everywhere they go, there's a horrible crime being committed. Yeah, and, and they save it every time. But, you know, like, look, there, this is Lethal Weapon 3. The first one is a classic, classic movie, okay? This is, you know, more or less the long, along the lines of Alien 3. It's The reason why they made this movie was to make money, not to make a movie. Right, and I feel like when they made Lethal Weapon 4, it was obviously to make money, but I also think they kind of redeemed themselves a little bit because the movie was better. All right, so this is Mel Gibson playing Riggs again, uh, Danny Glover playing Murtaugh again, Renee Russo, who ends up being Mel Gibson's uh, love interest, plays Lorna Cole, uh, Joe Pesci plays Leo Getz, and Stuart Wilson plays Jack Travis. He's the bad guy. He's also the bad guy in Mask of Zorro. The plot of this movie this time around is that Riggs and Murtaugh go after a former police officer who uses his knowledge of police procedure to steal confiscate confiscated guns and sell them to local gangs um i wanted to bring this up quickly mel gibson this man is hands down one of my favorite actors anti-semitism aside he's been in the mad max series the bounty maverick braveheart pocahontas payback the patriot what women want signs and that's just my favorites out of the movies of his that i like yeah i, I love mel gibson as an actor and quite frankly, he was he was great in this movie. His his acting was fine. I believed him as Riggs. I, I I saw the crazy in his eyes still that he was supposed to have from the first one. You know, the recluse who who doesn't care. Well, his anger comes out of nowhere, and it that was fine. It's just this movie. It's just slapped together for me. That's how it felt. It felt like it didn't come together until they started looking for the one guy. Up until that point, it was just them randomly thwarting crimes. Yeah. That they they walk down the street and there's like the crime of the century happening that they stop. This is like, what world are we living in yeah. that this happens? And then Danny Glover's complaining throughout this entire movie. I understand that's the character, but it was nonstop just him whining. And it really got to me. Yeah, his seven more days to retire. 
I'm too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Six more days to retire. Like, all right, guy, we got the point. Like, you don't have to say 50 times. Also, can we take a second to say Richard Donner directed this? He died in 2021, so last year. He's from the Bronx. He's been directing since the 60s, and he has 85 directing credits, including Superman 1 and 2, Lady Hawk, The Goonies, Lethal Weapon 1, 2, 3, and 4, Scrooged, Radio Flyer, and Maverick, uh, some of his movies that, that I enjoy. And we love Maverick. And love. Can't wait to get the Maverick. It is this, there's just so much in this movie that just it just pisses me off the whole way through. Can I ask you, why, why were they allowed to go mess with the bomb in the building? They weren't. They were told not to. They just did it anyway because they're lieutenant detectives, I guess, and they and sergeant but, detectives, whatever the hell they are. And, but but then, like, and why is Danny Glover there? Danny Glover, we should wait, wait for the— Then wait, don't go, Danny. Yeah, we, we got to wait for the bomb squad. And then Mel Gibson's just, like, haphazardly risking his life for the simple fact that he feels like it. Cutting wires, doesn't know what's going on. He's like picking red or blue. Yeah, and then they go back and forth. And I'm gonna cut the blue one. No, you said red. Or oh, did I say red? Well, then we'll cut the. Come on, man. It just was dumb. Get out of there. So I just want I just want to hear want you to hear some of the notes I took while okay. watching this movie. Okay. This opening is extremely 90s with all of the flames. First of all, and saxophone. Yes, too much saxophone. So 90s. But the opening bomb scene was dumb. The chase scene is annoying and absurd. I can't take Glover's angst and whining. The whole scene with Pesci selling the house was awful. Riggs jumping the director was dumb and beating him up until he hired back Murtaugh's daughter was the worst. Yeah. It's <laughs> These are my notes throughout the entire movie. Slapping him around in a Three Stooges-esque manner. Yeah. All right. It, it just it, it gets worse with the scar comparing so they can bone. Uh, that was terrible. <laughs> It just, there's just so many bad parts of this movie. The one thing I did like was, and this is my best scene, when him and when uh, Riggs and Murtaugh have their fight on the boat and Murtaugh's drunk and they're just going back and forth with each other. That was my favorite part. You know why? Because Murtaugh wasn't whining. He was just making statements and fighting with Riggs. And I like that better than his whining. Okay. I mean, this is another this movie where like... month is just movies. I don't know what to say. This because they're not... What do you say about a lukewarm movie? You don't love it. You don't hate it. It just is. It exists. Yeah. So what are you supposed to say? You're not. You're not that emotional about it. So not this is all. where we are. I don't care. I, I, I'll never watch I, any of these three movies. Can I, I tell you, Pesci was like nails on a chalkboard. Awful. And why? Why? Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, like what? What? What choice was that? Like you want to make him? Annoying? And he's Joe Pesci, so you're not gonna tell him no because he might kick you in the balls or something, right? <laughs> Is he that wild? Yeah, they said on Home Alone that like, he was physically abusing people. <laughs> All right, let's hit our categories. So, best scene? I just told you it was when they had the fight on the boat. My best scene was the chase scene from the train at, towards the end, from the train to the motorcycle. I thought that was pretty intense. Like, it, oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it was scene. it was classic '90s over the top chase chase scene action scene. Like the the good the bad guys are shooting hundreds of bullets at the good guys and missing, but the good guys are shooting two bullets at the bad guys and yeah, killing man. four people with two shots. Like you don't get that type of action anymore. And you know if that's not your cup of tea. Fine, I understand that, but I enjoy that sort of thing. And it was much better than the chase scene in the beginning when you had the woman riding her hand on Danny Glover's uh, crotch the whole time. Yes. Yeah, did that happen? Yeah, well, she was like on his inner thigh, not on his crotch. Okay. All right. Your best scene you said was what? The fight on the boat. I just okay, enjoyed yes. the back and forth, the banter, the knocking each other into the water, and then the cops coming and them having a good time. That I actually found funny. The worst scene? My my worst scene was the comparing the scars because it, it's like such that. a dumb vehicle to lead to sex when there was zero chemistry up to that moment in my opinion. I like I like that that's your worst scene. That makes sense. My worst scene was Jack Travis, the bad guy, when he kills the guy in the police off the police oh, yeah. precinct. Oh god! Like what? Hold on. You, so they don't they don't portray the man to be suicidal. So what did you think was going to happen when you murdered somebody in a police station? Hold on. He thought he was – but he, they talk about him covering his – oh, he's smart. He covered his face. Well, he didn't know about the cameras in the interrogation room. No, but he's also the last person to sign the book in to go see the guy. So wouldn't they go question him? And used his real name. Yeah. Because <laughs> he used to be like a police sergeant or something. And they all knew him. Yeah. 
And he, he's just so maniacally evil, like actually. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. So that was my worst scene. Best role. Best role. I, Mel Gibson. Yeah, but see. Rigs, all right. So and, let me. And that's my only. Let me say this, though. Mel Gibson. Yes. But also this movie may be excluded because this movie wasn't that good. But could, you couldn't have the Lethal Weapon series without Mel Gibson. It wouldn't be good. No. So I, I, that, that was my reasoning for Mel Gibson. Well, my reasoning is because Danny Glover whined too much in this one. Like, okay. he, I know he, that's his character. He whines. But it was too much. It is. This one was over the top. And then my worst. It's too much cowbell? Too much cowbell. And I like Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. I do. I loved him in the first Lethal Weapon. To me, is it, like you said, it's a classic comedy. Great buddy cop movie. Awesome. Yeah, with the real dark side. Like yeah. like Mel Gibson had a real dark side in the beginning because he lost his wife at the time and was legitimately suicidal. Right, but that's his whole character. Like now, they don't even mention his wife in this movie. Yeah, but now it's like a shtick. Like his his like his his over the top wanna die antics is like a shtick in this yeah, one. Exactly. Right. Anyway, uh worst role? Joe Pesci. Yeah, same. I, uh, you know, you, they, I'm actually like disheartened to say that Joe Pesci was the worst yeah, part of a movie. It's the choice, like you said, it's the choice to make him, like, I know that was a choice. Like, he chose to make him so over-the-top annoying. And the fact that they were physically pushing him around the at, whole at movie. points. Like, you're like, don't do that to Pesci. Or don't do that to anyone. Put somebody else in that be, role. Be no, a normal human being. No, yeah, I mean, you could push people around. That's I'm not right with that. But, like, not Pesci. Yeah. Pesci's supposed to be the guy that never gets, like, shit on. True. Right, anyway. I, wait, I have a different worst scene that I want to talk about. Okay. The whole h- hockey scene. What the hell was that? I didn't really mind it because I thought that was mildly entertaining when Pesci was crying that he was dying because his body was cold, but he was laying on the ice. I found none of it funny and just so stupid. And then the referees feel he's okay. He's going to live. Like, how the fuck do you know? <laughs> well, he was I only, just got shot. He was only shot in the arms. Oh, is that all? People never die from gunshot wounds. But yeah. And fucking the Civil War. Okay. Okay. Anyway. You never watch Grey's Anatomy? I'm not saying... Always complications from GSWs. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I wasn't aware of your your medical history. And then, oh my God, when he shows up to the kid's funeral after killing the kid... Yeah, that that was was a bad choice. Highly inappropriate. (laughs) Really bad choice. (laughs) Uh, Most quotable line... All right, so the first time I left this whole movie was when they raid the place with the dog and Ricks is being held with a pipe to his neck and, and he just goes, you have the right to remain silent. Like he's arresting him. But meanwhile, there's like five guys like holding up. It was the only time in the whole movie I left. I thought it was funny. All right, so I don't have a, a quotable line because I'm not going to sit here and try and relive or, or act out the the. But what it is 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 the banter between Riggs and Murtaugh. Yeah. Like they have a lot of like quick back and forths, and without them doing it, it's not funny. So I'm not uh-huh. gonna do it. Okay. All right. Got it. That's it. That's it. This is this is a rough moment. Are we man. done? Thank God. We're done with my my May May of 1992 is over. Or my of 1992. Let's go to June of 1992. You are in the right one. No, because I got to do. Oh, you did that? Yes. No. Wait. Hold on. No, just go. Back, yeah, go back, back. Yeah, I can't because I'm, I'm I gotta go to this. No, that's it, you're there. Just scroll down. All right, so I mean, thank god this month is over, yeah. Uh, but I don't know, next month doesn't really get much better, does it? No, we got Batman Returns, which is uh, I guess we'll have fun shitting on that movie. I mean, Batman Returns is okay, it's not the Michael, whatever, Schumacher Batman, Schumacher, yeah. Joel Schumacher, I'm sorry. Michael, Michael Schumacher is the Formula One racer. <laughs> I meant Joel Schumacher. Okay. Yeah, so then we have House Sitter, which is a Steve Martin, Goldie Horn comedy. Oh, boy. But then we have Patriot Games, so we get uh, we get our boy, Han Solo. All right. There we go. There we go. And Class Act is released this, mo- this month, which is one of those uh, kid and play kid movies. And play movies yeah. I, that I thoroughly enjoy. Oh. There's nothing else here to even talk about. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Sorry this month sucked. Thanks for listening. Hope you love us. Goodbye.